me. I think our song intros don't go with our song. Our song intros don't go with our song. I don't think we go with our intro. Uh, Hola. Hello. Bonjour. I only know goodbyes. I can't think of any other hellos. All I could think of was... I guess ciao is kind of hello, but ciao and arrivederci, and <laughs> they're all goodbyes. Save them for the end. Yeah. Hello, and welcome to another Indian Nun Podcast. I'm your host, Scott. <laughs> Scott, the... 30 seconds, Scott. Nothing, nothing, <laughs> nothing satisfying rhymes with Scott for me to be like, Scott, the pot, Scott, the tot. I got nothing. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing. <laughs> Scotty the hottie. There you go. There, there you something. go. Scotty Coming the hottie. from studio. Studio master bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, joined by my co-host, Mitchell. Welcome to New Day, New Movie. The podcast where we watch 365 movies. In 365 days. You know who I is. Yeah, he's Scott. And you're Mitch. And here we are, week 18. This is rough. <laughs> yeah, that was stupid. Uh, <sighs> How you doing? I'm pretty good, man. I'm pretty good. How you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm doing all right. I've seen better days. <laughs> <laughs> Makes me think of Malcolm in the Middle. Yeah. And those were some better days. Yeah. That's some good TV right there. If you haven't watched Malcolm in the Middle, go do yourself a favor and watch some Malcolm in the Middle. Because there's not a bad episode. Like, that is one of the shows that I would defend by saying I've never seen a bad episode of Malcolm in the Middle. I would agree. And they just, they got out when they needed to get out, and it was good, and it was awesome, and... So get ready for them to remake it next year. New, all grown up, Malcolm on the left. (laughs) Not in the (laughs) The, middle anymore? The new remake, Malcolm on the left. (laughs) And then in 20 years, Malcolm on the right. (laughs) And, uh... Freddy, what's his name? Freddy. Freddy? Frankie Muniz? Frankie. Frankie Muniz. Dude, I haven't seen Frankie Muniz in anything since Big Fat Liar. Agent Cody Banks 2. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Big Fat Liar. Good times. All right, on to what we're here for because this is why we're doing this. This week we watched movies. Yeah, welcome to the week of one word movies. Or as I would call it, the most forgettable week of movies thus far for me. Really? Yeah. I'll never forget. Uh, yeah, which one will you never too late. forget? <laughs> it's already gone. And it's gone. It's not that these <laughs> movies were bad. I just don't think anything was super stand out to me this week. Nothing? And, I mean, Nothing I have a favorite. All? I have a favorite. Okay. I do. It was Prospect. Dude. <laughs> he already told me he hated Prospect. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to that. We will. Because I want to hear why. But uh, I will read the movies of the week, but I think first, because we had a theater movie, and I think we both had something that we wanted to rant a little about. Oh, it's rant time? It's uh, it's rant. Rant time! All right, that's, we just, that was so in sync. We just totally made that up. So trailers 
Yes. Rant time, colon, trailers. What the fuck, man? What happened? I don't know if it happened, but why do they do that? Well, I had my rant time about this back in December over we've already, scene two. Yeah, we've already talked about this. But and it just... you are now ranting about Morbius because you have now seen the entire movie a thousand times. Yes, Morbius, the Morbius trailer, the Marvel movie with the, the Marvel Batman Marvel, uh, Jared Leto. Jared Leto. Uh, <laughs> I I now feel like I have seen the entire movie before every single movie that we have seen in the theater. Because it plays, this could be, I guarantee you it played before Sing 2. It plays before every genre of movie. It's just, Marvel has so much money that they were like, we don't care how much. Play it before everything. We want children to live in fear because they saw Morbius before they went and saw the new Hotel Transylvania or some shit. But everyone needs to see the Morbius trailer at least a thousand times. And so here we sit across from one another with a hole in my heart because I'm going to have to fucking watch it again today because we're going to a movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> gonna be playing <laughs> we're going to the theater and i would have to watch the morbius trailer again it's like 20 minutes long the trailer? okay first of all <laughs> trailers just in general before movies i I've, we've i feel like we talked about this way in the beginning maybe or we've talked about it off like not podcast time but 32 minutes i timed it 32 minutes the other day was how long between the movie start time and when the movie started. Yeah. We watched 32 minutes of bullshit. And that, granted, is including all of AMC's ads for their own theater that you're already in. But it's their theater. They can do what they like. I just don't know why I have to listen to the cool guy with the cool, you know, graphics and the... In the Dolby Theater. Yeah. And then, the, you know, please turn off your phone and don't talk. Don't text. Projector is yeah, All that shit. Or that, right? But then, in addition to that, we have to have fucking Nicole Kidman tell us before every movie that movies are perfect and beautiful and everything's happiness and sunshine when you're inside of an AMC theater, which I don't know if she's ever been in one, but it's dark in there. There's no sunshine. Because here, they are. God, it's so fucking stupid. If you like that, I apologize. Whatever. But it's just like, pick one, right? Like, why do we have to watch 20 AMC ads and then 30 movie trailers? Or actually, these days, what this rant will, is about to become about two movie trailers that are just 25 minutes long apiece. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm wondering if there's any correlation, because like, back in you know the early stages of the pandemic... Not a lot of movies were being released, so if you went to go see a theater movie, there wasn't a lot you could really... I think they just played the same trailer like six times to fill the 20 minutes. And So you're thinking Morbius is just a like a relic of... Just on a loop. <laughs> of, of COVID times, because they're like, well, we have this one, and no one's complained about us playing it before every movie before. <laughs> no, I was just saying, I think when there wasn't a lot of content coming out, right, there wasn't anything that you could really advertise... Before sure. a movie. So, like, it, the movie started generally around the same time as the start time of your film. Whereas now, with, you know, we're starting to get back into production and everything like that, there's just so much that we have missed out on in, like, the last year and a half that they're just like, oh, don't forget this, don't forget this, don't forget this. And they're just, like, you know, smacking you in the face with the movie poster. And you're like, I get it, okay? Morbius. 
I see you. And it's not like they started this. Okay, look, at least a lot of marketing lately, like they have different versions of the trailer, right? Yeah, they typically have like I don't think I've two or seen three. another version of the Morbius trailer, except for like a cut down one that is just the one that they have. You want to know why? Like they shorten it. Because there's nothing else they, they can show you from the movie no, since you've already exactly, seen the movie. That's the thing. So it's like, you just showed me the entire movie with all of the dumbest quotes from it. So I already know how I'm not going to like it because you're trying to be funny and you're fucking not to me. To me. To me. To me. Careful now. To me. <laughs> oh, easy there, Betsy. Easy, easy. guy. <laughs> you're not funny to me. So I'm not interested. Otherwise, I would have seen it if you're like, Morbius, look, Jared Leto, he got a bat face, whatever. Oh, speaking of his face at the end, I asked you in the theater, and I, I didn't look this up. I wanted to. But I think that they, they like had more work on the CGI, and I think they fixed his face at the end. Because I think his face at the end of this last trailer, maybe it was just Dolby. Maybe the, the deep blacks of the, the you know, the... the when he does like the, the the scream at, at the, the end, end with the goes, fangs, ah! yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, I think that's just gonna lend to like. I don't pe- think a lot of people know, but some of these films will be worked on like oh, yeah. up until the day that they're released. Yeah, like, well, that's, that's what I'm saying. That is, is the time frame for things, and as you start to increase the visual effects and stuff, maybe they can you know put the new throw that in the trailer. They're the like, new look, clip his face of it into like shit. Now. Yeah, put this one on. But I've already seen the trailer a hundred thousand times, so it doesn't matter. Even when I see it, I'm like, "Yeah, but his face looked like crap before." <laughs> but it will look better. <laughs> yeah, but it doesn't. It doesn't fix the problem of the trailer, I guess. I think the moral of all of this is Scott is starting to realize that maybe I have been right this entire time, because I go into every movie not knowing anything about it. No trailers, no synopsis. I just watch it. I and don't watch a lot of trailers from the ones we watch. I feel like you have a lot more understanding of the movies than I do. I feel like that it's just an inherent understanding. I'm at one with nature and the universe. And oh. the movie, when I read the title, I just absorb some of the information that I expect will be on there. Well, <laughs> Scott is my kidding. master. I am his apprentice. And I am just, I am trying to you take in soon. everything. Yes. Soon you Teach will me. Teach See, me your me. ways. Kimmy, our first movie of the week. You Four want to letters. read the movies of the week? It's about a girl. Tuesday, Prospect. There's a P in it. It was a movie. <laughs> Wednesday, Labyrinth. There's a labyrinth in it. Thursday, Antlers. There are antlers in it. Friday, Nancy. There's a Nancy in it. Saturday, Spencer. There's a... Well, it's a... She's a... It's a Spencer. <laughs> And Sunday, Uncharted, which is, they were in Uncharted places. See? Sure. I got all that from the title. <laughs> and there you I'm have a master. Folks. I'm the, the master. The movies of man. week 18. <laughs> oh, man. All right, let's I'm jump sorry. in. This is a long intro. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead and start us off. So first, we had Kimmy. New movie on HBO. During the COVID-19 pandemic in Seattle, an agoraphobic tech worker discovers evidence of a violent crime while reviewing a data stream and is met with resistance and bureaucracy when she tries reporting it to her company. To get involved, she realizes she must face her greatest fear by venturing out her apartment and into the city streets, which are filled with protesters after the city council passes a law restricting the movements of the homeless population. 
That happened in the movie? I was going to say. They I didn't d- even address the, I don't remember. They were just protesters. Yeah. They Crazy. Didn't, they didn't say what they were protesting. They were just there. <clears throat> See why we should have read the synopsis? Now we know more about the movie. That helps the movie not at all. I say it had nothing to do with <laughs> anything in the film. Who writes these? I don't know. Is that, someone gets paid for this. I could do this. Is this our first movie that is set with COVID in the COVID it world? Because TV it shows were able to like get a head start on the movies. Commercials. I'm, I'm going to address that shortly. Um, TV shows, commercials. Because like TV shows, was like, it was within like a couple months. wearing masks now. Yes, everybody. You're like, cool, I don't need to be reminded of my reality. <laughs> but thanks. Now I really want Verizon because everyone's wearing a mask and I relate. Switch to Verizon, quick. Did you switch or did... I actually did switch to Verizon okay. recently, so I feel comfortable throwing them out because I'm actually paying them for my phone service. But Good. I just remember that being one of the first commercials, I think, way back that was like, the girl comes into her office of like other coworkers and she's wearing a mask and they're all wearing masks. Oh, See, so you have like time talking. to watch TV, I guess. This was... <laughs> long time ago long long time you know back in pandemic days ah uh, yes <laughs> but no i think yeah like i said i think this is the first one to actually kind of address those situations and kind of talk about the impact maybe it had on people or companies like the remote working from home was a big one in this mm-hmm. in this film kind of talking about how everything's a smart assistant these days because Kimmy is the Alexa of the universe or the Siri or I'm surprised Disney doesn't have one yet, which we've talked about. Like Disney could just like explode with a voice assistant that you can pick whatever Disney character you want to voice all of your stuff. Ha ha! I set an alarm for you. Ha ha! Ha ha! Your timer's up. Ha ha! <laughs> I don't know. I'm just oh, check the casserole. <laughs> just throwing it out there into the universe. I'm sure it's Hold a on. matter of time. Ha <laughs> ha! British Columbia is the westernmost province of Canada, situated between Pacific Oceans and Continental Divide of Rocky Mountains. Ha ha! <laughs> <laughs> so yes, that. <laughs> hey Mickey, play Hey Ya. Uh. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what do you think of this movie? I didn't hate it. I didn't hate it in the end. I was very weary at the beginning because of all of the reasons we just talked about. Because with all the Zoom meetings and mask wearing and just the, I don't know, I'm, I'm apprehensive when it comes to portraying life during post-pandemic in general now. Because, like we said, cell phone commercials and TV shows and I don't get it. I guess I get it, but I don't get it. But I don't watch TV. I don't watch regular people TV, so it doesn't appeal to me anyway. So I, maybe that's maybe that's a thing that they, yeah. you know, maybe that's part of the draw of those types of shows is it's like, this is a life that's happening now, but someone else is and cooler, like the escape kind of feel. I, I'm not sure. But I, to me, I think it's stupid. See, I had the opposite reaction that you did where I was more bought in in the beginning of this film. And less bought in at the end of the film. Really? I, I thought the third act just was terrible. It felt like a bad Home Alone movie. Like <laughs> Home Sweet Home Alone where she's like... Oh, come on. This was better than that. Kimmy, turn off the lights and I'm going to go sneak away. And then yeah, I'm was... going to play with the burglars who are you know holding guns at me. And she does like a 10-minute command. And they're just sitting there yeah, like letting her turn confused. off the lights, turn on the music. Kimmy, please turn off the lights. 
Your lights are turned off. Kimmy, start playing Sabotage by the Beastie Boys. At its Kimmy, loudest volume. <laughs> yeah. Kimmy, do Kimmy. this. <laughs> Kimmy, make sure the nail gun is upstairs for me to get when I escape from here. Yeah. I, I don't know. I think I had shut my brain off by that point. But I think I was just so shocked at the fact that because it starts out and they don't explain that she's agoraphobic before the pandemic. And that was like a pre-existing thing until later in the movie. So I thought, I guess, my biases kicked in. And I thought this was going to be some whole focused around COVID shit. And I'm just, we live COVID. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to fucking watch that. Yeah. Right. I don't care. I don't care. I want a, you know, that's just me. But it turns out that their use of pandemic life actually served a purpose in the movie. Like, it wasn't just thrown in just because, hey, this is a movie that was made after a pandemic. And, like, look, pandemic. Yeah, I think there was It actually a, worked with the movie. There was a lot of thought behind what they were doing. Yeah. It made sense as to kind reason. of why she had the job that she did. It made sense as to the precautions that she took in her life. I don't know. The story was just kind of eh. Like, it wasn't anything I, I get, special. I get, like, there's a higher up in the company who has some scandal that he's trying to cover up. And I don't know why it's such a big trickle-down effect, though. And nobody believes her story. I or... think it's just because that's kind of been a, a trend lately with these tech shows. Like, what was that show that came out? Devs on Hulu. I don't know if you watched that. It was came out a while back. A couple of years, maybe. I haven't seen it. But I think... I think there's a a trend of like tech companies being big evil, like the the head of the tech company or somebody pivotal being the evil guy. I mean, we have you know Zuckerfuck right now. Everybody loves to hate, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> who else? You know, everybody, right? Everybody hates everybody running a tech company. It seems like, and right everybody now. loves Raymond. <laughs> Do they still? I don't know. <laughs> I'm not sure if he's relevant anymore, but um, <laughs> but I I just feel like I don't know I can I can buy into that I can buy into evil tech corporation as a background I mean look what other movie what Venom wasn't that kind of Venom's thing Oh Mitchell versus the machines Mitchell see I mean it's everywhere yeah <laughs> but like I think by the end it it was I mean that's all it was supposed to be was a uh, you know it wasn't supposed to be a big thought provoking it was like she works for a big evil amazon right i mean that's it's got kimmy and they've got the she's an at home analysis she does at home analysis of of the voice recordings from people and you know to better suit their kimmy needs yeah fixes bugs from stuff that kimmy doesn't understand and that was the whole thing with this tech company is they did it not with an algorithm. They did it with real people who actually listened to all the audio clips. and just kind of creepy because they're probably listening anyways. Well, yeah. But I don't know if I like would go around recommending, oh, have you seen Kimmy? You should watch Kimmy. It's really good. It's on HBO. No. it's fuck, I mean, if you're looking for something to watch, it's something to watch, just like everything else on any of the streaming services that we pay $70 a month for. Each. Each right now. <laughs> but I don't know. The only – the one big – biggest gripe i had with this which i i felt the need to write down is i don't know why if she had all those software plugins why she needed to pull out an analog like eq console to isolate like there's no way you could isolate the voice audio there's no way you could do that i i think in real life period but beyond that just the equipment that she used to do it 
I'm like, she are, she had plugins. She had an audio software, like a, an analog. Okay, but how many people are going to understand? That. The sure, that's just though. a me thing, and it annoyed me. And I was like, that's stupid. Shut up. I think that plays into <laughs> a later film. Some of the gripes I had with things of maybe like the more you have to appeal to a mass audience. Yeah. So for those who are unfamiliar with editing softwares or you know audio engineering technologies that are available. You're not gonna have to bring out the the soundboard to, you know, <laughs> yeah. mess with the yeah. the EQ levels. They, of just, the <laughs> they just wanted physical dials for people to see what she was doing, I guess, instead of her dragging a mouse on a dial on the computer screen. Which, fair enough. But no, I I, a, I thought it was decent enough. It was it was a movie. It was a movie. <laughs> it didn't ruin my week, yeah. So it's good enough. It's a good movie. <laughs> uh, but the last thing I kind of wanted to say about it was I thought Zoe Kravitz did a pretty good job as the lead. I'm excited to see her in the Batman. I, oh, yes. I think from what I've seen of that trailer, not as many times as Morbius, but enough. No, but they change. I feel like every time I see it, I catch something different. Morbius is the same fucking shit for the last two years they've been playing it. And it still doesn't come out until what, like April? I have no idea. We're still not even that close. Either way. Come on. I'm excited to see her upcoming roles. I, th- I think she did a really good job in this film. Yeah, I like her. I, like I think her. it will be... Good to see what she continues to do. But jumping into the movie that I did not like, and Scott is so anxious to hear what I have to say, Prospect. A teenage girl and her father traveled to a remote alien moon aiming to strike it rich. They secured a contract to harvest a large deposit of the elusive gems hidden in the depths of the moon's toxic forest. But there are others roving the wilderness, and the job quickly devolves into a fight to survive. Forced to contend not only with the forest's other ruthless inhabitants, but with her own father's greed-addled judgment, the girl finds she must carve her own path to escape. Why did you hate this? I wish I knew. I really do. Really? This movie took me four days to watch. And I had to chunk it up into like 30 minutes at a time because that's all I could take. And I don't know what it was. I don't know if it was the premise, if it was the cinematography, like immediately within the first five minutes i i was like this movie sucks i didn't even give really? it a chance and oh, and i just like i was so bored with it i i just i i don't know what it was this is one of those movies that i would have shut off because i just i was not interested in the slightest wow. at the beginning and that's not to say that the plot was bad that's not to say that the acting was bad that's not to say like any of these things were bad i was just not engaged in this movie at all and i was like i gotta watch it i have to watch it and like wow it took i don't know dude it's 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 i wish i had an explanation for what it was i just i couldn't buy into it interesting and like i i got like annihilation vibes a little bit from yeah some of the alien nature type yes but like it was no annihilation and it's not even that was what made me not like it i just I don't know. And like the weird chemistry with the girl and uh, the Mandalorian who kills her father. Um, Pedro. Yeah. <laughs> Pedro Pascal. <laughs> it's just, I, I wish I could tell you why I didn't like this. I just, every time I started it, I'd start watching and then I just found myself just being tired, being uninterested. And just not wanting to tune in, but I like I fought through the four days to make sure I saw the entirety of the movie. Wow. I I have to say I am shocked. 
I'm a little shocked. I I really enjoyed this. Um, I mean, I love the space nature thing. Like all the particles and stuff, just like them walking through and they're in the gear and just like the, I don't know, like that otherworldly but still familiar foresty feel is just really cool to me. I just, I love that shit. Um, and then it's all like, I like that. I like when they do like space is this untouched, you know, nature, this uninhabited un you know, like almost primal thing mm-hmm. on these, some other of these planets. And so everyone's just out for survival and like how I like how people interact in this kind of deadly environment. Like there's so much tension everywhere and they run into, you know, they run into these people to try and get help and they're, they're just, you know, standing there basically both at gunpoint and they talk through the, I don't know. I just like that shit. And so I, I really liked this one. This movie did not disappoint. I thought Pedro Pascal was great. I thought the girl, uh, Sophie Thatcher was great. I don't know. This was just right up my alley, I guess. And I, I really enjoyed it. I like the ending, like the, I don't know, the whole facing the whole mercenaries team of just, I don't know, man. It's just kind of a cool, like she goes out, she doesn't want to do this shit, but she does it because her dad's like, we got to do this big score or whatever. We got to get this big, big contract. Yeah, this is their chance to like start a dies, better life, and right? then her he partner gets dies, greedy and Pedro's partner dies from each other, right? Like they're the cause of the two deaths, and then they had like they have no choice but to kind of team up, and then they they end up forming this, you know, this kind of trust, this relationship over that. Where no, I I, I got I, I got it. the whole concept of that, and. I think part of in the early stages of the film after her dad died, she showed no emotion of him dying. And I get like maybe he wasn't the most favorable person in her life, but she still made the trek out there with him so that she obviously cared for him to an extent. But like she just went back to the the cabin and was like, all right, time to go home now. But I took it and I thought she did a good job. It, It felt to me more like shock. Like, it's just, you know, people handle trauma like that in different ways. Yeah. And I I took it from her and the way that she acted it, right? The way that she kind of portrayed it. And the whole situation was, like, it, at that point, she's got no ship. She's on her own. She doesn't, you know, she's got some know-how, but she has no idea what she's going to do. And it's almost like you just don't even face that. You're not even thinking about that because it's just too much yeah it's like survival kicked in for her because she just saw you know now she's unarmed pedro pascal's character is armed and it's like it's a fight or flight response and she (laughs) got the hell out of there for her own survival i get all of that but i think getting back to the shift and ship and she just kind of started doing things on like she would just regularly do i was like there's some point i feel like you gotta grieve for your dad but i don't know I've never had this response to a movie, and it's been the weirdest little fascinating phenomena (laughs) to me throughout the week. Of just, I've like this is a movie that I feel like you and I would enjoy, which you obviously did. And I just was watching it, and I was just, I I don't know if I hit my breaking point with this movie after watching a hundred plus movies in the last plus hundred days. Well, this would have been 
past 120 now, right? Yeah. No, that was last week's. So I'm a th- we're, we're over a third of the way through this process, right? Yeah. Hey, you're bound to just not want to fucking watch some of them. So I don't know. Like and I said, I... this might have just been that movie that just like, because at one point I was just like, I was questioning. I was like, if they're all like this from now on, like, I don't know if I'm going to be <laughs> able to make it because like, I'm trying to watch it. I'm trying Did to it. Did it turn around later in the week? Yeah, I I okay. I think there's some good movies later in the week. Okay, this didn't continue. No, this was just like I said, a rare off chance gem on a moon somewhere that, <laughs> you know, I just I don't want to go dig for. Sure, fair <laughs> enough, fair enough. Well, funnily enough, um, I I didn't have quite the strong reaction that you had to this movie for our next one, but. When you said maybe you hit your breaking point and, you know, my thoughts were there's bound to be some, like I said, there's bound to be some that you just, you just don't want to fucking watch. Yeah. And I think that was our next movie for me. So maybe it is the third, third of the way point. Maybe it's just the, <laughs> we just missed it by a day. Cracked in us. Yeah. It's just kind of lined up different for us. But our Wednesday movie was Labyrinth from uh, 1986. David Bowie, Bowie, Jim Henson classic that I'm surprised neither of us have ever seen. Yes. I have that down here. Jess said that she used to watch this all the time as a kid. I was like, oh, fuck. But anyway, so teenager Sarah is forced by her father and her stepmother to babysit her baby brother Toby while they're outside home. Uh, While they're outside home. That's a kind of a weird way to say. They went on a date night. They went out. Yeah. (laughs) What what the hell? (laughs) Toby does not stop crying, and Sarah wishes that her stepbrother be taken by the Goblin King, Jareth. Out of the blue, Toby stops crying, and when Sarah looks for him in the cradle, she learns that her wish was granted, and the Goblin King, Jareth, has taken him to his castle in the Goblin City in the middle of a labyrinth. Sarah repents and asks Jareth to give Toby back, but the Goblin King, fucking David Bowie, tells her that she has to rescue her brother before midnight. Soon, Sarah teams up with some allies... Will they rescue Toby in time? Yes. Yes. It's a it's a kids movie. Yes. They yes. They will. They do. They succeed. Yeah. Everything's happy and hunky dory. So you did not like this movie. I didn't not not like. I did not. You know what I'm trying to say. I didn't. You didn't I liked hate it. it. I liked it. I feel like I would have liked it. It's kind of like Prospect for you, where like it felt like something that I should like and I normally would, but just something in me was refusing to care. I just, this one, I didn't have any movies this week that I watched in multiple periods. Like, I watched them all. One sitting. Yeah. But but I just, it took me, it took me a while. I can't tell you how many times I rewound this movie because I was like, I was staring at the screen, but I I absorbed nothing. You just forgot everything you had watched. I just zoned the fuck out. And I was like, how how did they, wait, why is she here in the... (laughs) She was just outside a labyrinth talking to the two or the four gargoyle thingies coming out of the thing to try and choose which door, trying to trick them with her logic. And, and and then now all of a sudden she's got a giant friend monster and they're debating with a, a little dude on Sarah. the dock over, the, over a bridge. And she tricks him there. And then I was like, oh, shit, that's like 30 minutes ago that I realized what I was watching in the movie. I should probably go back and figure out what the <laughs> fuck happened. I don't know, man. I just, 
So there's no reason to dislike this. David Bowie Fushigiing, this should be the greatest movie ever. Dude, I know. And he <laughs> I was trying to figure out, I was like, is he actually he that good at Fushigi? <laughs> or is that someone else's arms? It, just... it could be, but I, I don't know, man. It seems like something David Bowie would just be good at, right? Yeah, he was it just seems like a David that Bowie. That was the thing. thing I streamed out just Carrie and I were watching this and I was like, Fushi Fushigi. <laughs> I did the same thing. <laughs> Because I have a Fushigi ball. <laughs> I got one for Christmas, like, uh, I don't know, 10 yeah, or 15 had, like, years ago. three or oh, he four. Had four. <laughs> he was just mesmerizing. It yeah. was so cool. Dude. And then they turned into bubbles, and you could see. <laughs> like orb bubbles. They're supposed to be like orbs, though. I think like... there's a lot of inspiration from The Wizard of Oz in this movie. Sure. Which is why you saw the bubbles, and you saw, like, seeing people's faces in the bubbles, and they even had The Wizard of Oz booked out in multiple scenes throughout sure. this film to be like, Oh, by the way, and then you have this adventure of someone who's going, and they meet allies. She's who, in the other world. She's got to get she, back and learn a lesson to not be so ungrateful and whatever. And they know, all have their little things that they need to pick up along the way. And yep. They find yeah, out they've the always had courage, and they've ugly little dwarf dude. We've got the the lion, the big Sarah, Sarah, and then we've got. I, I wouldn't call the little squirt dude on the dog a tin man, but whatever. <laughs> Riding Merlin. There are, there are lots of uh lots of of similarities, yes. So when I watched this, it kind of brought me back. So I went to school in Montana and in Montana there's this theater called the Ellen. And it was like a Saturday matinee show and me and Jake were down just walking Main Street trying to figure out something to do and we saw that the Princess Bride was playing. And we had both heard of the movie. We'd never seen the movie. And we we're like, dude, let's just get tickets. You'd never seen Princess Bride? Neither of us had ever seen Princess Bride. Really? We, like, we had been aware of it. Just kind of like sure. the same with this movie. Yeah. And I went in, and I was just blown away with the amazingness that was that story. And I had very similar vibes with this. I'm not saying it was anywhere near. <laughs> yeah. I wasn't... <laughs> it wasn't Princess Bride level, but I was still like, this is an iconic movie that I feel... Yeah. I don't know why it took me this long to watch yeah. it. And, like, I... There's a lot of references that I see in other things, and like I'm aware of some of these things, and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, now I get it, now I understand all of that. Yeah, I, it's just like a, a cool little fantasy world, very story-driven, just a little fun adventure that reminded me of everything. Like, I already said Wizard of Oz, but I got the Lord of the Rings vibes at points, Muppets. Mm. was huge uh well it's jim hansen bear in the big big blue house like i just like (laughs) all of these things like all because i sang the the song the other week (laughs) (laughs) but that's that's just kind of where i was and i i enjoyed the movie i had fun watching it like obviously yes it's very geared towards kids like it's yeah and if you go in with the mindset that you're expecting more than that, you're going to be disappointed. But this this is a kid's movie. It's supposed to, you know, be a, an adventure where it's a feel good. Everybody learns something about themselves. And there's a big fucking party in, in, in the room at the very end of the movie with all of her, mm-hmm. her friends that she found along the way yeah, and the everybody. goblins. and Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, the puppets were all great. Yeah, all of the the all the characters, all of the creatures and stuff. I, I I saw no reason to dislike it, which is why as this kind of mirrors Prospect for you, I guess. Because I, I but I didn't not like it. I, like I didn't hate it, and I wasn't like ah oh, fucking hate this movie. 
I just had no interest in watching this. I I I don't think I've ever. I just sound like you now. I don't yeah. think I've ever had the react that reaction to a movie, where I'm just like. Like, even a movie I don't like... Well, I mean, I guess if I did ever have the reaction to a movie like that, I would just turn it off, right? Yeah. Like you said. <laughs> I, I wouldn't have like, made I'm it I'm not going to watch this right now. I'll watch it some other time if I still want to watch it. Or but never. it's like, I'm just... I'm going to be on track this week. And uh, and yeah, I just... I had a hard time. I had, I had a rough time getting through this one. And there was just... There was little things along the way that just had me kind of smiling or laughing a little bit. Like... All of the practical effects were done so well, and then they threw in their green screen, and dude, I was just fucking rolling. It was it was so funny. Uh, it was like the one where the they're like throwing their heads up in the air. The the creatures are. It's just like oh yeah. It's just a standard background yeah. that doesn't move, and then you can see all of them like poorly green screened in. Mm-hmm. But again, maybe at the time, like this is what pushed the advancement of that. So like I had an appreciation for what they were trying to do and then, you know, versus what they were able to do. Yeah, and it's funny to see. It was, I don't know. It, it was fun. It was a good little movie that I think we're both like, man, I don't know why we had never watched I, this. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how the hell I haven't seen this by now. I know how I haven't seen our next one by now. It's because it just came out. In a small town in central Oregon, Frank Weaver runs a meth lab out of an abandoned mine. While his young son Aiden waits outside the mine in his truck, Frank and an accomplice are attacked by an unseen creature. Investigating strange noises, Aiden is also attacked by the creature. Frank and Aiden survive their encounter with the creature and return home, where their condition quickly worsens. Frank sets up a locked room and demands that no matter what, Aiden's older brother Lucas keeps them locked inside. All right, so the first thing I want to say about Antlers is this movie has no right being as visually stunning as it was. <laughs> but the rest of it was just kind of meh. But this was a beautiful movie. I was like, the opening shot across the lake, the drone shot across the lake, I was like, holy shit, look at them go. Like, this is this is something. Even the... The creatures the, were well yeah, done. Like, that's what I was going to say. Even when they show at the end, it's always... Like, disappointing a little bit yeah or it's all you know you're always kind of like <sighs> cringing waiting to see how it's gonna go or at least i am for creature movies like this where they're like where they keep it hidden the whole movie till the very and you're end like something like the that that original not original but like the the first godzilla remake with brian cranston and yeah the, what's his name where like the whole movie, you only see bits and pieces and you never really see godzilla the full him and then like at the end you get more of a picture and you get like you know it's impactful and that's how this movie went about it too but even with anything like that you never know if when they finally reveal it if it's going to be like oh that's well that's what they that's what it looks like oh that's That's, just jim from accounting dressed up yeah (laughs) ah you should have just not showed him i mean (laughs) you you built him up so well yeah this was great yeah they did really good I thought I, I think I enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed this movie. I thought the kids were the the main kid Lucas was fantastic. Yeah, he was creepy as shit. Um and I you know, I mean it's kind of ham fisted metaphor for tra- family trauma, like abuse. See, like it wasn't you know, I mean it wasn't anything super deep and 
ooh, but I felt like that's what it was trying to be with the whole, especially with the ending, where it's like, oh, the continuation of that kind of, you yep. know, her brother. But, uh, but I didn't find it like... So I think you're starting to hint on something, which, again, I didn't think this was a bad movie, but I don't think it was as great as it could have been. No. In the sense of... I felt that they had too many kind of differing storylines that they packed into the movie. I felt there was just so many different characters and plots and everything all interacting with one another. And I get it's a small town, so everything's connected in some way. Sure. I just felt like had they stayed a little more grounded and focused on one narrow path versus all of these different approaches of things, it would have just would have felt better about everything. I, I don't know. Like part of me thought I was watching like a Saw sequel with just the chaotic nature of everything. Hmm. Like everybody has their own story. Jumping that around they're... to storylines and not really. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Like it just, it felt a little rushed to me. And again, the movie was visually stunning. I th- agree with you by saying, I thought the acting was really well in this. I just thought they were trying to do too many things in the movie with the plot. Sure, and they could have just focused on yeah, stick, stick one storyline, and that's all you needed to do. Yeah, I think I think, and that's why I thought that's why I say ham fisted. The, the the quote unquote metaphor was a little ham fisted, was because everyone involved in the story all had their own version of that metaphor going on, and so yeah, I, I definitely, I, I definitely agree with you on. It didn't have to be that, right? They could have just focused on the kids and that story and, you know, even giving her the background, all the background did was substantiate her care for the child as his teacher and, you know, having gone through that, wanting to not allow that to happen again. That's where I thought it was going, but then kind of it started playing in with the brother and yeah. Yeah, there's just I see like, what you're saying. There's just it seemed like a lot of little things were kind of thrown in or sprinkled on this entire script. And then nothing was really, you know, fleshed out well enough to like really have a driving point. So I mean, any teacher hopefully is going to be concerned for their students and making sure Sure. you know, every student is going home to Right. An acceptable place where they're not being the neglected or abused or in this, you know, that was the contrast was in this town. Yeah, they didn't have the resources. Yeah, they right? didn't have the it resources to handle some of those things. Just exactly. So the fact that you know that drove that was her drive to to care as much as she did. It wasn't just we need this character to actually give a shit about the kid, even though everyone else in the town doesn't. She had a reason for that, yes. right? So that kind of, like I said, that substantiated her motivation for helping. The child for going to the lengths she did to want to save him, essentially. Yeah. But, uh, oh, I have written, so I, I did like the, the character and the reveal at the end, but I thought they went too far or showed too much, not with the creature necessarily. I think it got a little cheesy and goofy at the end, but it wasn't like in a bad way necessarily. But uh, when the brother, after she kills the dad, so they have a confrontation in the mine, and the, what's her name? Carrie Russell. Carrie Russell, yes. So they have a confrontation in the, in the mine, and Carrie Russell is the teacher that, that's trying to save the boy. 
Um, and the boy, his dad and his brother are th- turned into this creature, or his dad turned into this creature. So at their confrontation, that's when they reveal the creature. Carrie Russell successfully, well, I guess the boy kills the creature, kills his dad to save her. But then the little brother starts turning after the dad's dead. And I was like, ooh, that's fucked up. I like that. Mm-hmm. But then they linger on it too much. And they show her, like, killing him. and But, like, not show her, but show her. But it's like, show it or don't show it. Or move the fuck on. Like, you ruined a, a really kind of impactful scene. I don't know. I felt that it was like, oh, fuck. You know, when they... they remind you of the brother that he's still there the whole time and now he's turning and there's nothing like there's nothing they can do right so that kind of realization and so after she you know talks to lucas and is like you know that's not your brother and there's nothing we can do for him whatever like have her stand up and walk through the camera and then cut to the next scene or something right like we get it we don't need you to show her like stabbing the brother in the back or whatever I, i don't know that was something that kind of got me at the end that I just, I, I, it affected me enough to make a note. But other than that, I didn't hate this movie. It wasn't a standout. I think our next two shadowed it quite a bit. Well, before we get to that point, like, have you seen any other kind of Wendigo movies? No, actually, I, I don't think I have. So I'd be interested to watch some of those just because I feel like we had an influx of those movies kind of within the same time frame almost. What other? Well, there's a movie called Wendigo. Okay. There's a movie called The Retreat. I mean, Pet Cemetery is up there. The Retreat? The Retreat oh, not, in not 2020. The resort. Not The Resort. Not Never The mind, Resort, sorry. yeah. <laughs> uh, and maybe it's also because I had a student who did a movie called Wendigo in my class. Oh, he really? went out to cool. his cabin out in... Uh, it was close to Glenwood Springs, and he shot all of his stuff out there and then did some digital CGI stuff with his monster to overlay a creature sound. That's and sweet. Kind of the big whole... He never actually revealed the creature, which was, I think, something that we were talking about. It was like, if you don't have Teach the means to do it right... <laughs> if they you go know, on. <laughs> if you don't have Teach the means to do it right, just you know, don't show yeah, it at all. It. And just leave it you know, you for the imagination powerful, and the suspense. Yeah. So I'd be interested to watch some of those other Wendigo movies, though, and just kind of see how they compare. Because like I said, within the last like three years, I feel like we've gotten at least a few of them that uh, it'd, be, it'd be an interesting comparison. I think off of that, Antlers, I think, and I'm not, I don't know the whole Wendigo story, but I think coming off of something in the last few weeks, like, uh, what's the one, your mom, La Llorona. Yeah. Um, coming off of something like that, where it takes a, a cool and actually like a real story mm-hmm. that's that's folklore deep rooted yeah. in exactly. Um, I think this, from what I could tell, did the Wendigo justice. I didn't think it took it and made some, you know, bullshit cheesy, run of the mill horror movie like La Llorona, right? Or like that one, it's like, La Llorona is just a stupid, goofy lady that screams at the camera and then gets stabbed. Yeah, <laughs> right? This one, I felt like that creature was was respected in the, in the, in the film. eyes of the movie, yeah. right? 
it wasn't just a a quick buck horror movie. This wasn't a, a typical, you know, current, whatever. It wasn't a typical contemporary horror movie just to to put something that people a lot of people may not be aware of and some people are and make this stupid scary you know shit i think what made this good though is uh this was directed by not directed sorry where am i going for this i don't know i'm not you where am i going with this <laughs> so scott cooper directed this but there's a lot of i think he had influence from guillermo del toro as oh, to I like the monster design. Yeah. yeah, like I think he had some influence on the say of the film, which is why I think yeah. it ended up working so well. Just with the whole fantasy creature type thing. Like we watched Pan's Labyrinth just a few days yeah, ago. Yeah, it did, it did have a little bit of feel with the creature stuff. So yeah, I, I a think... similar vibe. With that kind of passion into it and well thought out to how the creature is going to be presented, how the the town or even the people of the story are going to understand the creature i think that's what really made it a really just a decent good movie but yeah that's that's antlers yes and our friday movie was another wonderfully uncomfortable film called nancy nancy freeman is a 30-something woman who lives with her elderly mother in liberty new york an aspiring short story writer whose submissions are routinely rejected, Nancy finds an outlet for her creativity and need for affection by running a blog in which she claims to be the grieving mother of a dead child. After her mother passes away, Nancy sees a news report about an elderly couple who have never given up the search for their daughter, who was kidnapped as a child 30 years prior. Noting a vague resemblance between herself and and an age progression of the couple's daughter, Nancy contacts them, claiming to have uncovered evidence that she was kidnapped and that she is, in fact, their child. As Nancy works her way into the couple's lives, she finds herself falling deeper into her own lives with consequences for everyone she meets. Andrea Riseborough is incredible. And Chad Michael Michaels is figure skating. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Are you watching the Blades of Glory? No, the Winter Olympics are on, so... Well, my sister told me yesterday that apparently Blades of Glory is on, like, a non-stop 24-hour-a-day cycle on one of the HBO channels. Oh. Um, because, because the Winter Olympics oh. are on. <laughs> yeah. So I wasn't sure if maybe you, you caught some of that at some No, you, you just kind of set me up for that, but going back to Andrea Risenborough, she's phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah, holy shit. Uh, this Possessor, Mandy, um, just some of our favorite movies. Yeah, and she's she's so good at being awkward. Yeah. But like not in a... Um, well, I, I don't know. Yeah, it's hard to say because she brings, she brings so much depth to the quote-unquote awkward type character. Like, there's just so much more... I don't know, man. It's great. It's great. I would say, at the beginning (laughs) of this podcast, I had mentioned kind of a forgettable week for me. This is the exception. Because this was definitely my favorite movie of the week. I think Nancy... I don't even know how to even begin starting to say like you expect so much more 
as to what's going to happen, and then it just doesn't, and that like you're kind of you're still content. Yeah, I mean, I had wrote that like I didn't get the outcome or no. the ending I was hoping for, but no. I was still satisfied with the ending because this movie just did a really good job of depicting people well. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of covered grief, hope. I mean, the movie just itself was just super grounded and told a really good story. And the interactions through characters was really well done. And it was kind of odd. If, it was if uncomfortable. Felt, yeah, but, but, but not to the degree of like a detain. But no. it, it gave me similar, these two, you have this broken family who's been grieving the loss of their daughter for 30 years. Yeah. And then you have this broken girl who wishes her, her life was anything exactly. but it was. And, and the, the stuff with her mother, and her mother dies in the movie, but it's it's almost a relief to her because her mother wasn't... I don't know. There's a lot of tension between the two that they... This is, I think, what I loved is they didn't just come out and say everything. They didn't just go, here's her past, and this is why she is the way she is. They give you little hints of things and little glimpses, and you can kind of work out, you know, okay, she's she's kind of this shitty person, mm-hmm. or you don't think, like, she's manipulating people into, you know, feeling better about herself kind of thing. But, but she is, she's fucked up too, right? Yeah. Like, she, you know, it's not... It's almost kind of like that nature versus nurture kind of thing, too, right? A little bit of, like, she's not just, they show her at first where she's just, you're kind of like, man, she sucks. But the more you learn about her and the more you see her life and, and the way she does things and why she does them, it's more of a, like, she's just trying to find her place. In the world. I don't know. It was yeah. almost relatable. It was almost relatable, her her like the way I kind maybe that's what I put on her, what I projected on her for me, but just the kind of floundering in this existence kind of thing. But she's just, you know, that the way she's choosing to go about it is the only way that she's found that has results for her, right? She's got all this shit in her life that has put her down and put her down. And so the only thing that works is this kind of manipulative angle she takes on things. But it's not It's not an intentional, malicious. yeah. It's not malicious, right? So I don't know. I, I just thought I thought this was great. I love this. No, it was really good. And I mean, you kinda hinted on the mark of you know, the story did a really good job telling you things without telling you things. Like even at the ending of the film, like you don't hear the results as to if these parents and her are actually related or not. But you can see through the reactions, you can see through yeah. how dialogue changes, how even like avoiding icon or eye contact with her and other things can lead you to yeah. getting to the point that you need to understand. Yeah. I mean, they made it very obvious, but just the fact that no one outright ever said in the entire movie that she wasn't their daughter. Yes. Was just I don't know. I, I no other movie allows you that, right? Yeah, I mean, she got the phone call and she 
broke down crying. Yeah. And then as she comes it's down obvious. the stairs, she can't make eye contact with her. They go to the lake, and then she stops referring to her as her daughter. But mm-hmm. you know, she this is where I would this person. is where I would take Brooke when she was little. But then you know, this kid gets shot out in the woods. She sees how she cares for him, how she just like... She's not a bad person. She's, she's not. not do you know. She's the, not. The connection that they had wasn't necessarily fake over the last few days of them all trying to work out whether or not she really was their daughter. And it got to the point where you kind of had the same line from T-Tain, though, of like, I love you no matter who you yeah. are. Yeah, yeah. And that's such an impactful thing in both of these films, I think. Mm-hmm. And... Not to say just one was more impactful or other, people. but it was just, you're just taking the good for somebody. Yeah, that's not that person that you want them to be. Yeah. But you still care for them in a way that it makes your day a little bit better. And it, it's, Life's it's not always fulfilling in the ways that you expect them to be, maybe. That's kind of how I yeah. take it, you know? And, you know, it was, it was a really good movie. I This is definitely my favorite of the week. Probably one of my favorites that... Over the last few weeks, I would say, of just a good, good story. And I didn't know what direction it was going to go ever. Yeah. Because it kept, like, it led you to believe that, like, it could become so much worse. Yeah, it kind of, like, starts itself as one of those movies where you're waiting for, kind of like a good time, mm -hmm. where you're waiting for it to all fall apart. But then it turns into this, like, touching, dark yeah, it's kind of, heart wrenching kind of. Because it's kind drama. of feel good, but it's not. It's yeah, it's, it's not a it's, feel good, but it's a feel good. Yeah, like her driving away at the end. Do I? F- I feel like any movie where they just slow zoom into a person that just starts to have kind of like a satisfied or weird, wicked smile at the end of the movie. This and Mandy are the only two I can yeah. think of. But they're both Nicholas great Cage fucking movies. Fucking turns and he's that's how you end on his face. <laughs> That's how you end a movie. I think what's good about this film is it's not black and white. There's so much left up for interpretation. And when she is driving away at the end, like you're sad for everybody in the situation, but you're also kind of happy for everybody in the situation. It's kind of a weird feeling to even just kind of understand and approach as to how should I feel about this? Because on one hand, like, yeah, they're not related. And had they just like never fully accepted her as their daughter and just done the DNA test, it would have been one thing. But they actually decided they to before. Yeah, yeah, they decided to approach it in a situation to where, you know, they. Well, you want so badly to fill that void is what you got from all these people, all of them, everyone, including yeah. Nancy, of just that void of the the family that was supportive and you know a life that didn't feel miserable and like everybody was kicking her while she was down and then this family just wanting their daughter back and seeing so many similarities in Nancy and just you know at some point at some point even as the viewer you stop thinking is this her daughter it's just like man i want her, that I her wanted to her be, to be her daughter. Yeah, and and regardless of the outcome of the the DNA test, it's almost like I felt like you kind I of wanted her to stay at the end. That's how you get when she's driving away. Is like, man, I I don't know why, but I just I want her to stay. I want them to be a happy family, even though we know they're not a family. I don't know. It's a weird thing. They say it's like that really grayish area. There's no. It's a weird thing. Confident way to say how you should feel and. 
Like, you understand why she's leaving, but you also want her to stay. I don't know. It was a really good movie. Yeah. This is this is something I would recommend. Because, again, it could have went such a different direction, and I'm glad it didn't. Yeah. I just, I have T-Tain in the back of my mind of, like, <laughs> she's secretly a serial killer, and she's finding her way into your house. and Or, you know, even Steve Buscemi kind of gave me vibes at sometimes where I'm like, what's going on with him? But Yeah, he, he always had this air of skepticism the whole movie. But, like... Right up until, and I, we've been talking about this for a long time, so I don't want to. I don't want to keep talking about it too much, but like right up to that scene with the cat, where she's chasing the cat outside, and that was a whole. I, I don't know, just his turning point, and he takes the two pictures because he's a photographer and he's got a picture of their daughter way back and a you know, picture he took of Nancy a few days prior or whatever, and he's just looking at the two and he just kind of smiles and he's willing to accept it. Yeah, and it's just I don't know without man. even knowing the results. Yeah. But no, Nancy was a great film. And so was our next one. Moving into another great film, yeah, yeah, Spencer. So Spencer is the marriage between Princess Diana and Prince Charles has long since grown cold. Through rumors of affairs and a divorce abound, peace is ordained for the Christmas festivities at the Queen's estate. There's eating and drinking, shooting and hunting. Diana knows the game, but this year things will be profoundly different. First off, like kudos to Kristen Stewart. Holy shit. On her performance in this movie. Holy shit. Uh, she captivated Princess Diana very well. I her For down Na- to the accent. I, I thought that was going to be weird. I thought seeing her doing an accent like that was going to be weird, but fuck, she nailed it. She sold it. Mannerisms, everything. I mean, she she did such a good job. And I mean, before we even get into the movie, like I, I hope she wins the Oscar for uh, Best Actress in a Leading Role because she's been nominated and she rightly deserves it because she she did she did so this good. This is great, yeah, yeah. She was phenomenal. This turned out to be a really good movie. Mm-hmm. I didn't I didn't expect it to not be, but I guess I wasn't too enthusiastic about watching it i don't i honestly don't really know anything or very much about princess diana other than you know what everybody knows yeah i mean we're both pretty young when she passed away yeah um and obviously she was a huge celebrity in you know late 80s early 90s with everything that was going on a lot of scandalous stuff which isn't even very scandalous no, it's opinion. a weird. Yeah, it's it's a like um, just having the, the curtains open and stuff. yeah, like that whole world is just mind blowing to me. It's crazy. <laughs> I mean, as I was watching this, I was just kind of blown away at like the lavish lifestyle, Dude. that was presented in the film, the, the order the, and structure of everything, the outfits, and the, they're all labeled for like, every. She's got multiple occasion. outfits for every meal of the day and everything, and it's all labeled and ready for her, and they have. They got people to do literally everything for them. They got to take a shit. They got a fucking handmaid to wipe their ass. It's ridiculous. I mean, it's pretty that it's pretty much that excessive, though. Is that yeah. just how the movie makes yeah. it seem? Slightly and, exaggerated, maybe, but it's it's not far off. But like the expectation of just being in the royal family just seems insane. Oh yeah. Like I think this movie did a really good job. Well, before I say that, I don't know how much of this movie was fabricated. Right. That's, yeah. But the movie did a really good job of showing just kind of the chaotic nature of this lifestyle, kind of how like every detail and facet of your life is planned to the 
NCMOS detail. You have essentially constant supervision. There's secrets everywhere, but everybody knows everything. And there's just this high expectation of you to do everything perfect all the time. Mm -hmm. And you can kind of see as at least Kristen Stewart's portrayal of Princess Diana is kind of battling. She's not that kind of person. Yeah, she doesn't want all of that structure. She wants to be able to just take her kids to KFC if she wants to go have fast food, but that's not the royal way. Like every meal is designed down to the smallest carrot and if it's organic or not. And, you know, it, it's insane. You've got to weigh in before Christmas, the Christmas festivities and the 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 queen's rule apparently i don't know if the, how this was true but it was just something in the movie that i thought was you have to put on insane. 3 pounds you have to put on 3 pounds for over christmas there to show that you enjoyed yourself kind of thing like it's a tradition just the the, the traditions that they uphold are just bonkers <laughs> but kind of cool but just crazy like nothing i have ever imagined I don't, know, I don't know shit about the royal family like i you know and it's just it's fascinating. It is really fascinating. A little kind of, again, you have to take the movie for what it's worth. I don't know if anybody will ever actually know the details of some of the things that maybe happened there or even what happened with Princess Diana. And that's not our place to say any of that. But Yeah, this was a, a like a speculation of what happened in those days leading up to when she decided to leave. Um, so it's not necessarily a great intro to the the reality of the story i guess but i thought the the style of this movie all of the stylized ways they they used her i don't know like a look into just the unraveling of someone at their wits end and like the insanity that they feel and all these you felt her the the chaos around her the you know yeah, and everything like was tightly framed, so you could almost like see that she had like no escape, even in very, the cinematography of yeah, the film. Of like yeah. everything was so narrow, and she was boxed in, and there was no, you know, wide shots. Everything was very tightly framed, so where you kind of felt her headspace and the reality of everything. And it wasn't even like it was big events that was driving her crazy. It was a series of small things that just it all just added up to up. a big build. Or a bigger culmination of things, like sewing her curtains shut mm -hmm. so that she can't accidentally leave them open when she gets changed because there might be a photographer outside, which would just unhinge the entire royal family. Yeah. And uh, it's so insane, like just the expectations that they have to uphold. And I don't know, this, this was good. Did you get like A24 vibes a little bit in this? Like, I feel like. There were scenes that were kind of on the the creepy side of things. Yeah, that's what I, I kind of meant with the stylized stuff of her her hallucinations and her talking to the ghost of Anne Boleyn and, and just, you know, the many times that she ended up in the bathroom vomiting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, it felt all, it did feel very A24-esque <laughs> or what we've come to uh, to it's know and love from that those movies. What do you think of that scene where she ate the pearls? Oh, dude! With the music, and, like, and then it like into it pans and, over, yeah, and they're just playing the, it live. And the like surrealism of of all the times that she just started to break under the the weight of all this bullshit that she had to put up with, kind of thing. <laughs> like I don't know. I I thought 
I thought it was a really, a really effective way to use that surreal kind of style in a realistic story mm-hmm. in a, you know, like a grounded kind of, you felt it was in her head. It was never a question of, is this real? Is this, you know, you knew what was going on. You were aware of the things of, of the, the line between reality and insanity, but you felt the border with her, right? You felt teetering on that line, the whole movie. And it was, I don't know. It, yeah, was, and it was somewhat believable, but also like there'd be more of a reaction of if she's sitting there eating her oh, pearls yeah. in front of everybody. Well, I, don't, <laughs> I don't think you can physically bite through a pearl. I don't think you bit them. Well, I think you just hear, You would crack it. your teeth, I oh. think, which is how I, like that was a, so it was such a cringe, cringe worthy scene where she like tries to bite she's through She's biting and... through, but you hear like crunching. They they play it. Did you catch that? It's not when her. She's biting. Not the pearl, but it's like it's her tooth. No, yeah, it's not. <laughs> you're not eating the pearls. <laughs> now this is a really good one, and I've never been one to tune into the Oscars, but I feel like I might this year just to kind of see how how things play out. But well, I feel how Ricky Gervais feels. <laughs> so that was Spencer. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Spencer. <laughs> Moving into our theater movie. Theater movie. Video Uncharted. game movie. Uncharted. <laughs> Woo. Woo. That's as excited as Woo. we will be about this movie. <laughs> I don't know, man. I Having sat with it for a while now, for, for a short time, um, I think I think we're going to have some decent discussion, surprisingly, oh, around a video game definitely. movie. But uh, Uncharted, street smart Nathan Drake is recruited by seasoned treasure hunter Victor Sully Sullivan to recover a fortune amassed by Ferdinand Magellan and lost 500 years ago by the House of Moncada. Oh, man, I wish I could do an Antonio Banderas impression. What starts as a heist? <laughs> you could just mumble like he did in that one movie. The duo becomes a globetrotter. <laughs> what starts as a heist job for the duo becomes a globetrotting white-knuckle race to reach the prize before the ruthless Santiago Moncada, who believes he and his family are the rightful heirs. If Nate and Sully can decipher the clues and solve one of the world's oldest mysteries, they stand to find $5 billion in treasure and perhaps even Nate's long-lost brother, but only if they can learn to work together. Let's work together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I I just need to start by saying this. Do it. I don't know if there will ever be a movie that will ever come close to capturing the storytelling that a video game can provide. No, and I think I agree. the closest that I've ever seen was Detective Pikachu. Okay, <laughs> and you laugh, but like no, I, I laugh because that's true and also sad, sad <laughs> <Yeah>. kind of. <laughs> and I, I really liked that movie. Okay, but you know, it wasn't a lot that they had. The game was was very basic to yes to the to story build on yes. for a movie. Yes, so I think when you try to replicate these games. You know, you have to try to stay true to your characters. You have to try to stay true to what the game did that made those people and those events so special. With that being said, I understand why Mark Wahlberg and Tom Holland were picked to play solely in Nathan Drake because they're they too, are likable they're people. They're so hot right now. They're well known. <laughs> they're so hot right they're now. So hot right now. Um, and they had really, they had really good chemistry. They did, and they really did. good banter together. They did. I would watch another like, Mark Wahlberg, buddy, Tom Holland, yeah, yeah, combo. I, I I like them together, and I'm getting sick. I think I've said this. 
I don't know what what's the last Mark I guess Infinite the last yeah. Mark Wahlberg movie we watched, and I'm getting kind of tired of Mark Wahlberg. I, not, I don't know. I, I think I said it then and probably explained it, so I'm not gonna do it again because uh, whatever. But I didn't hate him in this. He just didn't fit the character. The character. That I expected, I guess. And that's the thing is, for me, I think what you just said was a pretty good way of saying, if you're going to make a video game movie around a a beloved video game franchise, then I think the, I think the safest way to do it, and I don't know how easy or hard this is, I'm not a screenwriter, I know it's not easy to take a 14 hour, you know, interactive adventure story and turn it into a two hour mm-hmm. you know film but i think you need to stay true to the characters like you said but you cannot tell the same story and you cannot have the same depth and the same twists and turns and the same it's too much to try and squeeze in and i feel like that's a big thing with a lot of video game movies is they try and squeeze in too much when they could just kind of let it breathe a little bit yeah and you know like like think about if you were making 14 hours worth of movies but that's the thing is i feel like maybe they feel they need to appeal to the or they need to portray the entirety of whatever the game is to try and get another one but like there's there's four well there's five uncharted games just make four or five movies right i mean i i feel like the the motivation for everything now is to make these big universes and franchises that last for so many movies but for some reason video game movies it seems like they never they never want to do that. They're always trying to do the big one. Well, here's the problem that, that I've seen. Get away with trying to do more later, but go ahead. Well, the problem that I've seen is I mean, even though video games is like the fastest growing market in the world right now, there is still a large population that has never played video games. Like, even when this trailer played, like, my parents are like, oh, that looks interesting. And I was like, oh, that's based off of a video game. And they're like, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the problem when you take a video game and try to adapt it into a movie is, like, this was fine for a kind of a Hollywood adventure movie. But in terms of actually being a video game movie, like, I think the... The studios would rather upset the people who've played the video games than upset the people sure. who don't they, know they about the video mass game. Appeal. Yeah. Yes, they're going to favor the mass appeal of things, which is what I was talking about earlier, is this movie reminded me of, like, we're putting in big-name actors, we're doing all of these fancy set locations, we're doing all of these things that kind of are loosely based off of the video game, but... We're going to do it in a way that you don't have to ever have played the video game right. to understand it. And, you know, anybody can come to the movie theater and watch this movie and enjoy Uncharted. Right. Which I was going to say, and I guess that that led me, I, I guess it didn't come out that way in what I was saying. But where I was trying to end up was, I think this movie actually did an okay job with staying true to the the, the kind of feeling of the characters but also 
doing its own version of the story, shortened for a movie. This felt like a typical, like you said, this this didn't feel like a, it felt like a normal adventure movie for mm-hmm. the mass market, right? And and so, but that didn't kind of ruin the unchartedness of it. There were other things that, for me, did. Well, that's what I'm saying. But like I thought if you overall, break away from who the characters are in this film. Like you really just have to look at Mark Wahlberg being Sully. Is yeah. really, I mean, and not to say that Tom Holland isn't as I, I was Tom Holland is pretty decent as, as he, Nathan he actually Drake. wasn't a bad Nathan Drake. I didn't hate the the girl who played Chloe, and they took their own spin on things. Yeah. I just know that had you had maybe an older gentleman portraying Sully, yeah. like it might have taken away from the mass appeal to everyday viewers. Because they're like, oh, who's this dude? And I don't know him. He's not Mark Wahlberg. But. Sure. Sure. And to be fair, like we said, I think what helped that for me was the fact that him and Tom Holland did have good chemistry. Good chemistry. And so I, I kind of stopped looking for Sully and just started being like, well, this is, this is Sully for this movie. And honestly, even throughout most of the movie, apart from the typical, which for us, we talk about a lot, the typical forcing the joke kind of thing, they did a lot in this and they do a lot in all adventure action adventure movies now. Like that's just a thing and we just have to deal with it because... Apparently it works. There was a lot of people who were chuckling their ass off in the theater, even at unfunny parts. And I don't understand it, but that's who's making them do this and they're enjoying it. And apparently they have more money than us and are seeing more movies than us, which I know is bullshit because we're at like 120 something movies in the past 127 (laughs) days. (laughs) So false, but (laughs) compete with those numbers, bitch. (laughs) But no, I mean, that's, we are not, we are not everyone, right? We're not everyone, and apparently, apparently, according to their numbers, which they have the data, we don't. So I have to just trust that they're following data. the data, right? They're following the numbers, and so their numbers tell them that we are in the minority, and they have to force jokes every other minute just to make the movie enjoyable for most people. I don't get it. I don't like it. I think it would I be could fine. Put up with it in this. If not every character had to be a comedic relief. Yes. Why does everyone have but to be the quippy But every character person? has to be a comedic relief now. And I think if it wasn't that case, I would be fine with the jokes here and now of like, ha that's the funny guy. And, you know, but it's every single person has to have their, their little one punch in the mouth and every dot. Every line of dialogue, every, yeah, every situation, every scenario just in the has movie to be is so filled with quippy somebody and... being a sarcastic, like yeah, you can't all be that. It gets old and it doesn't land and it's not funny. It's just obnoxious at some point. But again, they're following the numbers, I'm sure, and we ain't in those numbers, I guess. So it is what it is. But uh, overall, I didn't hate this. I didn't hate it. No, I think I, I had a good time. I like Tom Holland, Tom, who, by the way, was fucking shredded in this movie. Dude, dude looked like Mark Wahlberg standing next to Mark Wahlberg because his arms wouldn't sit down to his side because his fucking arms and pecs. I read were so an big. article that said that Tom Holland, when he got cast for this movie, went straight to his personal trainer. And was like, I need to be bigger because I'm going to be standing next to Mark Wahlberg. 
<laughs> well, he. So, I think he succeeded. So he man. just holy shit, bolt up. Someone was telling me, maybe maybe my sister was saying something about how because he had to wear a bodysuit, a, a muscle suit for the first Spider Man, how he's he's kind of he jokes about this like complex of not being big enough for the roles that he's playing or whatever. <laughs> and so like he set out to do that. I don't I don't know the truth of this is you know hearsay, but. Uh, but I think it's pretty funny because every time I see him, he just gets a little bigger. A little bigger. <laughs> but he's still such a... A little more shredded. It's all fit in such a small stature. <laughs> and this time, man, seriously, his arms just like when he's standing in the window. Dude, I'd work <laughs> out with Tom Walmart. Holland. He seems like a fun dude. I would too. Absolutely. And he looks, he looks great. I'd like to look oh, great. Oh, yeah, so. dude. <laughs> I, I want to look like that. Fuck. But no, this, this, was, uh, this, was, this was a good movie. It was a decent uncharted movie. Uh it was a, <laughs> is that a way to put it? It was a it was a it was a more than acceptable as expected action adventure movie. And if you look at it as a video game movie, I would say compared to as we've done in the past, compared to all of the video game movies out there, it's probably one of the better ones. Yes. And to all of the people we watched it in the theater with, please continue to be like that. We watched this on <laughs> opening weekend. Your and childlike wonder and laughter for and just, everything yes. that is ever said. But no, uh, that was Uncharted. And I'm sure, actually, no. I'm sure we'll see the next one whenever it comes out. It just won't probably. probably be on the podcast. No. <laughs> but maybe we'll do a, a special re release of <laughs> a podcast to talk about Uncharted 2. <laughs> Special Uncharted 2 episode. Hey, by that time, we might be doing this for one movie every so often. Ooh. That'd we be kind of fun. After this whole Shindig. year-long shenanigans. But anyway, that wraps up the movies. And it was it was a fine week. I, I've, I find it interesting still with Prospect. I'm still reeling a little from that because... The, the amount of hatred, you can't pick up on the facial expressions and the mannerisms, just our voices. And I'm not sure how well that came through, but there was some there was some true anger uh, behind his reaction to Prospect. <laughs> I Dude, it's, it's going to be a question I'll probably ask myself for the remainder of this pod, podcast and every movie that I go forward watching just as to why I had such a negative reaction to that movie. I don't know what it was and I don't think I'll ever know. But I get it, right? I mean, I I, I don't get it with that particular movie, but removing the movie from the scenario, you, I understand that there are sometimes like Labyrinth for me, I just I don't I don't want wa- I don't want to watch it. I don't want to watch a movie. <laughs> I'm sick of watching. I don't want to watch this right now. Please turn it off. That's all I wanted to do. And I turned it off three or four times. So I, I turned it back on to, to keep going. But Well, you made it through. I did. Uh, I wish I could say this was at least the halfway point, not the third way. Yeah. But <laughs> it's I know. I'm excited to see, see where we are in, feel in yeah, six in weeks. weeks. Oh, man. Is it? No, it's eight weeks. It's two months. Yeah. Fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Day by day, by day, by day. 
Movie by movie, by movie, by movie, by movie, by movie, by movie, by movie. Enough said. We had a long intro, so we'll keep a short outro. Yeah. So quick, uh, something to look forward to. I am at page four ninety something of eight hundred on Dune ten or some sort of the version of Dune that I have, uh, and that is after a couple weeks I started really reading it. So a couple more weeks. Uh, I'm getting faster because, you know, once you start reading a lot, you remember how to Have do read. it. <laughs> it's like riding a bike. You just, you know, you get, you got to fall down a couple of times when you hop back on, but you get it. It's still there. So then we'll have a little discussion about high rise because that I should be able to read <laughs> once I'm done with Dune. I'll get that motherfucker done in a day. <laughs> 200 pages. <laughs> sheesh. Sheesh. <laughs> Uh, but anyway uh, as always thank you for joining us and have a wonderful week catch you on the next one (laughs) (laughs) okay okay thanks Bye. bye